For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? <laughs> mm, what are you saying? There's not much to it? Uh, no! Captain Planet, Maybe a Mexican culture is rich with stories upon stories. How the avocado was invented. Um, yeah. Where the taco comes from. Which coincidentally started off as a separated human hand filled with chorizo meat. Because uh, the Mayans were fucking savages for a long time. Evil. Cruel people. Quantum. I never know when we're starting the show. <laughs> and we're done. We're in, man. Oh, we're in the show. We're in. All right. Welcome to the last podcast. <laughs> On the left, everyone, I am Ben Kissel. In studio with me is Marcus Parks. Hi. And as always, in a far, far distant location, somewhere in Canada, there's you. That's me. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you finally delineated it. When they said, when people said that they get confused about who is Marcus and who is me and who is Ben, right. I always think about that. Yes, we are identical. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not have separate personalities. No. And, uh, exactly. And we don't do anything different on the show. In no way are you the one who poops the most and has the craziest theories. In no way am I the one who keeps it all inside. Oh, I forget. He's the rational one. <laughs> yeah, it's always weird. You have that reputation, Ben, as the rational one. Team Trump. Don't even get me started on Donald Trump. <laughs> let's not do this. No, we're not doing that. No, 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 no. Let's go for another rational man. Oh, my God. Okay, so part four, our first part four. Yeah. <laughs> Got to go back to Drifterland. Of oh. course, we're talking. Hey, again, let's get back into the mood of, <laughs> yes. of Henry Lucas and Otis Tool, the world of the hand of death. All right. Mm-hmm. First thing I want to do, you're going to want to do. All right. Before we even start, is that if you go to the gym... Mm. Take those gym shorts you got, yeah, right, and just work out them for like work out inside of them for like a week with no washing, right? <laughs> then go take a shit. Like first, I mean, go get a bunch of Indian food and maybe mm. a bunch of uh, tamales, mm. maybe something Mexican, right? Mm. And eat it to the point where you're almost throwing up. <laughs> then take a rancid shit in the toilet, <laughs> and while you're taking that shit, smell the shit. Through the pants. <laughs> the pants up against your own face. All right? And then literally eat an entire cigar. <laughs> we are now in the mental headspace of Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool. Right. And take a hammer to a couple of your teeth while you're at it. <laughs> Finger a retarded girl. Unless <laughs> oh, right. She, well, I, I mean... To be fair to yeah. Henry, that is where our story picks back up. <laughs> which, which Henry are we being fair to? <laughs> Both? Neither. All I right. don't know. There's a fine line between Henry Zabrowski <laughs> and our main character, Henry Lee Lucas. That's right. I'd also say by each chapter of the Henry Lee Lucas story, we can just start talking about how 
This is two knuckles deep inside of Becky. Last week's episode was just the tip. Just leave <laughs> Becky alone. Can we leave Becky alone? We can leave Becky alone. But you know what? What Henry Lee Lucas says is that he left Becky alone as well. Now, if you'll remember, uh-huh. uh, we're, we're picking back up. Of course, the last two episodes ran parallel to each other, much like game or books four and five of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. I threw it down. Yeah. <laughs> We got a nerd alert three minutes in. They, wow. They ran parallel to each other. So we're coming back with Otis Tool, heading back to Jacksonville, Florida, and leaving Henry Lee Lucas and Becky alone to travel on to California. Now, we don't know the actual truth about Henry and Becky's relationship, only what certain people who knew them reported. Again, the idea is we don't know any truth yeah. about any of this. Henry Lee Lucas yeah. literally lied about every single section of the story. We're going to see this as we go. We're going to get into the confessions. He legitimately, it's because they're wildly different. It's not like slightly different. It's, you know, it goes from I killed a thousand, 1500 people in the name of the devil to I killed no one. And then also with, with the same thing with his relationship with Becky. We're going right. to see it right here because he says that they never actually had sex with each other because Henry could literally only have sex with dead bodies, which in my head, is it? Which is worse. <laughs> right. That is the funniest defense that Henry Lee Lucas has for not having sex with Becky is that, I just have sex with corpses. <laughs> so you got their relationship is just slightly more disgusting than Juliette Lewis's relationship with Rodney Dangerfield in the movie Natural Born Killers. <laughs> if you remember that pair, that sitcom parody where Rodney Dangerfield goes tell her to take a shower. And Get all clean for me. One of the most disgusting scenes in cinematic history. <laughs> yeah, and from what Henry said, he didn't actually know how to quote unquote love a woman. We now, didn't. what does that mean? Does that mean physically love? Is that like a sex thing? Like he legitimately was like, I kept sticking it in the belly button. But it's mostly what I'm used to, all right, is that when you get a lady corpse, that you can make the hole wherever the hell you want. Right. That's why I like it, because sometimes I like it up near the face. And I know she's got a mouth, but it's just something about making a new one. <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite. Like you have your, uh, you know, your your Leonardo DiCaprio's. You'll never know how to love one woman because there's too many women out there that want him. But Henry Lucas literally didn't know how to do it. And this is not going to be the last time we compare him to Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> now, when I say he didn't know how to quote unquote love a woman, mm-hmm. it is both physically and emotionally. What he said is that Becky fucking wanted it. He said that she was begging for it every night, that she was dressing provocatively, and that she had grown to be a woman from the little girl that he once knew. But he said Mm -hmm. that he never once gave in to temptation, even though she would rub on him every night in their hotels. He would always leave. He would be a gentleman. He'd always leave, go to a bar Mm -hmm. or a truck stop, Kill uh, a or woman. a truck stop, kill a woman, uh-huh. yeah. rape her corpse, oh. and then come back to the hotel, wash off all the blood, and get back into bed with Becky because now, he was right. a gentleman. Oh, I see. I haven't read a lot of Ann Landers. You know what I mean? <laughs> I haven't read a lot of those sort of like, you know, manners thing. Is is that a gentlemanly thing to not have sex? Again, I guess it's true. You're not having sex with a 13 year old. Right. But you're still the killing rape. Yeah. <clears throat> That's worse. I'm going to go ahead and make the value judgment here. You know, it's that, just, It's worse. 
I can't stop. Of th- I can't stop thinking that Becky just looks like Honey Boo Boo, and then like I just see Henry Lee Lucas as a little sugar bear. And she's like, I will never touch you. I'll never touch. Go go kill a woman. I just <laughs> Henry, you look truly confused on if raping and killing a woman is better than having sex with your child, bride. I'll put it this way. All right, if you- you're not a judge, we will just say Henry is not a judge in any court of law. If you give a child bride an orgasm, is that legal marriage? Illegal. <laughs> Illegal. Illegal. Is yeah. it still, but what about love, though? Yeah, we call it. What that's, about love? If he loves her, then he doesn't have sex with her. That's yeah. how you treat. How love? <laughs> well, that's what people didn't know is that that song is actually about that. It's about this whole their whole relationship. You're yeah. ruining a 1980s classic, huh? <laughs> So by January of 1982, the pair had no car and were reduced to hitchhiking when, outside of Hemet, California, a businessman named Jack Smart spotted the two and took pity on the filthy little couple, picked him up. should have been Jack Dumb. (laughs) That is fun. So Jack and his wife ran a local antique store. They were always in need of extra laborers because in an antique store you have a lot of refurbishing to do. Yeah. You have to do a lot of rebuilding on old furniture. So they Again, you know, a lot of who doesn't work well with fragile <laughs> antique furniture than a one-eyed eye-dripping, toothless <laughs> drifter and his 13-year-old retarded child bride. Yeah. Again, well, perfect. Exactly who you want in the front of the store. Well, sir, I kind of got a cat's tongue so I can just lick some old paint <laughs> off of wood. I can do anything for you. I don't know. Why didn't they work at like an ice cream shop? You know what I mean? Ooh, like a, you, you can really get their charm working. You go into a cold stone and like just a drip from his eye lands on the <laughs> cookies and cream ice cream and he's like, I hope they didn't see that. And he just... Hey, uh, uh, now have you seen it? That's fifteen cents extra. Some people like it. Now what I've got here is got vanilla, or uh, cockroach, and this is old tobacco leaves. I like to call that. That's a drifter Sunday. Oh, the Henry, Henry Lee Lucas Coldstone. <laughs> well, they the smarts they de- I mean they hired Henry as a carpenter and they gave the pair a small apartment above their store. Mm. And the smarts they do say. At this time, that Henry would sometimes disappear for days at a time. Mm. Not even Becky knew where he was. Uh, Because all he had to do was put a fucking blanket over Becky's head and she'd go to sleep. Like a bird. Yeah. (laughs) But the smarts, the smarts, they didn't really think much of it because they were actually charmed by Henry. He had a laid-back attitude. He had this hick southern twang, which people out in California, I can attest, actually find a southern uh, accents, Texas accents. Right. They find them very charming. It's like they like to pat you on the head. Like, oh, right. look at that cute little idiot. Oh, yes. look at him. But in reality... They're out raping and killing all over the countryside. I'm with Henry. Definitely. Yeah. I'm with Henry. There's nothing smart about this guy. He's definitely dumb. He's not a businessman. He just keeps shit around his house. Henry Lucas is not a carpenter. He just called him a carpenter. (laughs) This guy just lives in a fantasy land. He's just a hoarder. Yeah. (laughs) Just Jack Smart. And he's just like, hi, my name's Jack Smart. But he's got like pants up to below his nipples he's got a, a weird like yo-yo the cartoon yo-yo boy from his yo-yo days where he went to his yo-yo camp and he's got like a spinny hat on <laughs> i'm the first one in my family to graduate from tying shoes school 
<laughs> so while the smart the smarts they say that they loved having Becky and Henry around. Eventually, they got word that Jack's wife wife's mother, who lived back in Texas, was getting to the point of not being able to take care of herself anymore. Her name was Kate Rich. She was a feisty and independent old widow who refused help from anyone who offered. Everyone knows the stubborn old woman. Knowing that she would not accept any offers of help, her family actually tricked her Mm. into taking in Henry and Becky, letting her think that the pair would be dependent on her rather than the other way around. They told her that Henry was just a down-on-his-luck roofer and electrician. He just needed a second chance. And Becky, they were totally upfront about the 14-year-old child bride thing. They're like, yeah, Yeah. you know, he's uh, he's in his, you know, he's in his, you know, late 30s, early 40s. He's Married to this little girl, and this little girl, you no know, she's eyes, great. No I, teeth. He <laughs> he's, he's literally his blood reeks. Um, he said, I, I heard him mutter something under his breath about how he could only fuck the dead. Um, and Becky, uh, Becky is also, she's got the brain of a tomato, and she's dressed like a, a toy soldier for some reason. But they think they're going to be great with you in that house, and he, they will be entirely dependent on you. Right. <laughs> And by the way, Becky needs Jesus in her life. And that Remember does, again, this yeah. is also Henry Lee Lucas's side of the story. Yeah. This is the hand of death version of this story. No, 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 no. This actually came from the this came from the smarts. This what they what the smarts you said. You can't trust the smarts. <laughs> no, you can't trust the smarts. They called him a roofer and electrician. So far he's been he's had three jobs I'm not nearly qualified for, and this man's just a mass murderer with one like drippy eye. Yeah. Is that what happened in the seventies and eighties? I'm a basketball player. <laughs> oh, I want to be I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker. And oh sir, you, uh, sir, that's just a dead bird. That's not a basketball or football you have in your hands. I tackled I'm it. a basketball player. Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> Nothing but Newt. <laughs> you know, the Newt, the basketball Newt. No, no. It's a, a net. Mm, okay. No, no, no. Net is what you use to catch whales. <laughs> I'm a basketball player. I should know. Yep. <laughs> so Kate jumped at the deal because that really the clincher for her was they told her that Becky needed Jesus. Right. And so she just absolutely brought them in. They arrived in the rural town of Ringgold, Texas, Mm. by bus in May of 1982, a town of less than 100. The Wikipedia page does not mention Henry Lee Lucas at all. And this is actually... My part of Texas. This uh, whole saga happened just a little under two hours away from where I grew up. The surrounding towns include Petrolia. Ooh, I love Petrolia. Named after oil. Yes. Oh, all the flowers smell like wet oil. (laughs) Sugden and McGargle. <laughs> ah, beautiful, beautiful McGargle, where all the street lamps are just tongues, like in a weird Cronenberg universe where, where the mailboxes are alive and screaming because they're being punished for being gay in real life. Right when they were alive, <laughs> you know, I actually realized while uh, researching this that all three of us have our very own serial killer in the places where we grew up. Ben, oh, you've course. got Ed Gein, mm-hmm. uh, and Henry, you've got Son of Sam. 
yes. and I've got Henry Lee Lucas. You can have him. <laughs> At least Ed Gein was actually a carpenter, and he could actually work with electricity. Ed Gein had skills. He was an upholster. Hey. David Berkowitz was a mailman. <laughs> Isn't he that had a job? Right. Yes, but Henry Lee Lucas had adaptability. And Son of Sam could talk to dogs. <laughs> Magical world that Son of Sam lived in. But he'll he'll be for another episode. That's where Son of Sam is like Ben. Yes. <laughs> arf, 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 arf. Turns out it wants food. <laughs> so Kate immediately took a shine to both Becky and Henry, just like the smarts did. She saw Becky as a lost soul to be saved, and Henry is just one of the most charming men that she'd met in forever. But the people of Ringgold mm. found Henry and his one eye to be, quote, a bit spooky. Weird, though. Why? <laughs> this is literally the people of Ringgold. If you can put a left shoe onto your right foot, you're the mayor. Like, that's how dumb these people are. And Henry Lee Lucas was the creepy one. Hey, yeah, hey. The town scientist realized that trees w- weren't giant, hairy monsters. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped. He's like, don't shoot the trees. You're wasting bullets. Yeah. They're not alive, turns out. Well, the people of Ringgold, of course, they, they found them both to be a little off-putting. Uh, as they were also just constantly filthy. They never bathed. They were always just dirty, dirty, dirty people. Yeah. Uh, and But the fact that Henry Lee Lucas was very uh, charming to Kate Rich, but the people of Ringgold just found him extremely creepy, this isn't surprising. You see this in a lot of psychopaths uh, because they only show their real face to people who can do something for them. The people of Ringgold could do nothing for them. So, you know, they got the truck stop treatment. They got the treatment that everybody, every stranger who ran across Henry Lee Lucas got. But Kate Rich got yeah. the charm. What but, do you mean the people of Ringgold couldn't do anything for them? They're not just a bunch of Simon Cowles. They're not star <laughs> makers. They couldn't put them on the TV. I can't believe the people of Ringgold couldn't do anything for them. Henry, we got to say all of the townspeople got together and decided that you... You've got the X Factor. Whoa! Go to Hollywood, Texas, where you're going to play the symbol in the Christmas parade. <laughs> there isn't a Hollywood, Texas, but there's a Miami, Texas, which wow. is spelled Miami, but is pronounced Miami. Oh, so it's extra retarded. <laughs> That's very nice. Not very good. But he actually, he should have put on his charming face for the people of Ringgold because the owner of the general store... He noticed that this drifter and his child bride were constantly showing up and charging beer to Kate Rich's account, telling them that Kate Rich sent him on a beer run, even though Kate Rich, this old woman who had lived in Ringgold her entire life and was a Jesus-fearing woman, had never once bought beer. And usually when you send friends to a beer run, you don't tell them to bring it back inside their body because it's really (laughs) difficult to get it out. You got to do the whole process. So the people, the guy that owned the general store, he calls up Kate's family, uh, and they tell him, what they actually tell him is they go, you know what, we're going to sit tight on this for a little while. And so they waited for a while, uh, (laughs) another six months or so, uh, or actually no, it was about another two months or so. They waited for a little while, and then finally the general store called him back and was like, 
yeah, this drifter's still hanging around, and he's still charging beer to your gra- to your mother's account. So they went. Because the thing about drifters right. is that they don't ever fix themselves. You know <laughs> no. what I mean? Drifters love being drifters, mm-hmm. and as long as it stays comfortable, drifters are gonna be there for forever. <laughs> right. That's another drifter rule: is don't drift if there's free beer. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect drifting conditions. Yeah, remember, you don't choose the drifter life. The drifter life chooses you. I've seen. Tattoos. After you've chosen the drifter life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Still. Mm-hmm. So the family arrived at Kate's house to find hardened food splattered on the stove and walls, a kitchen sink overflowing with dirty dishes, tracked in mud, covering all the floors, and a spell and a smell that mixed sweat with a three-pack-a-day habit and rotten food. A smell mixed with sweat, three-pack-a-day habit, and rotten food would also be the chemical components of a drifter-scented Yankee candle. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, where can I buy it? From um, any drifter. Because he's just got a fucking... He keeps a mason jar full of his physical smell because it comes off of him in sheets in the night oh. and it hardens. And what you do is you stick a tampon string <laughs> through the middle of it and then it becomes the wick for the candle. <laughs> and it regenerates itself every two weeks, so he's always got some on him. Yeah, because yeah, he scrapes it out from underneath his belly fold. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's a, it's a good self-made business. Yeah. So yep. they, they found Luke. When the family walked in, they found Lucas and Becky sleeping on the floor, even though they were couches and beds available. They were sleeping on the floor, uh, sleeping mm-hmm. off a hangover. They woke up Lucas. He agreed to go quietly. I'll go. I'll leave. <laughs> I first want to say number one. It's been a pleasure drifting with y'all. Um, here is my comment card. If you would, please give me an A to F. It's not whether or not you enjoyed my stay, but if you felt I lived up to the drifter expectations. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's 
a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada's already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So while hitchhiking to the nearest largest town, Wichita Falls, which is also kind of a shithole in its own right, okay, Henry and Becky were picked up by a preacher named Reuben Moore, who ran a small religious community called the House of Prayer. Unfortunately, the house itself was actually just a real long chicken coop about right. 10 miles south of Ringgold, where they started off. I would also now go to say, according to Henry Lucas's uh, word and, and even Otis's tool recognition when they're talking about each other's lives. This is supposed to be what how Henry what Henry considered to be the happiest moments of his life. Yeah, were at the house of prayer. So take that in mind. And when you say house, Henry, you do mean chicken coop. Still, long Not in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> the Lord went ahead and put insulation on that house, mm. and put a door on that house, and made and put walls on that house, <laughs> and put chairs in that house. As the Lord did. In reality, it was chicken coop. But the Lord <laughs> thought about it, and in our hearts and minds. It, if you couldn't, you could barely hear the bats that would gather at night. <laughs> <laughs> so Henry said, uh, as far as killing goes, that this was perfect cover for him because he was living in this Christian community who, again, totally accepted this middle-aged one-eyed drifter and his child bride right. completely accepted them with open arms. And this wasn't like it was the 20s or 30s like because out there, living's rough. There's right. not a whole lot of women to go along with all the men. So back in those days, 14-year-old bride was not the most uncommon thing. Mm. This was 1981. Yeah, but it's 1981. Yeah, that's the whole thing. We have like 
almost the internet. <laughs> it's not 19, 18, 14, 18, 14. Yeah, sure. Nobody knows. What, people don't know where they were born. Right. You know what I mean? They don't know when they were born. There were Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Everyone had cereal and random other amazing frozen pizzas to eat. Yeah. I was personally, I was five years out from living two hours away from this place. Yes, we did have an inbred family named the Muleys who still live mm. there to this day, still practicing their lifestyle. Yes, that is a reality in 2015. The McNeelys are inbred. <laughs> right. That's the truth. Yes, Holden McNeely from the Round Table of Gentlemen is the his product of were incest. His cousins. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually that is true. Yeah, his grandparents were literally first cousins. Well, he did a great job sitting in for the live last podcast on the left show. Thanks for coming yeah. out and thanks for watching on the live stream. And thanks, yes, thanks to all 1000 of you. We will be doing that every month from now on. But back to Henry Lee Lucas, Henry said, as our Henry said, that this, yes, this was the most, the happiest time of his life because as far as killing went, he could go, he could slip in and out of, you know, the house of prayer, aka chicken coop, uh, and go out, kill, come back, and pretty much go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. It was all going perfectly until <laughs> Becky found religion. Oh, uh, yeah. She, every fucking time. Yep. Perfectly good drifter satanic murder couple. And she's got to go ahead and oh, sign up with that stinky desert wizard. For what? <laughs> Ruin this lifestyle? This fun? We're living in a chicken coop. How fun is that? I was looking at a chicken and I said, chicken, if you give me an egg, I'll believe in Jesus. And then sure enough, chicken gave <laughs> shattered egg right into my hands. <laughs> Oh, that's not egg. That's just real big shit. Yeah, it was one of them little brown eggs. I just nibbled it right up. So, hey, Becky, she'd been congregating with the people at the oh. House of Prayer and was also still making regular visits to Kate Rich, uh, and Becky had decided that her conscience needed cleansing. Now, this is another excerpt from The Hand of Death. This is how Henry said... This conversation went. He had just gotten back from mm. a particularly brutal killing spree. Mm. When he comes home, he gets out of his car. Becky runs up to him, takes him in her arms and says, Hear me? Becky exclaimed, throwing her arms around his neck. I met Jesus and he's alive with me. He kept telling himself, This will pass. She just found the cocaine I left hidden in our room. <laughs> so yeah. Becky... Technically, she was still a fugitive uh, because if you'll remember, Henry and Otis about a year before had broken her out of a juvenile detention facility. And she thought that the only way that she could become a good Christian woman was to return to Florida and serve her time. And mm. it took a lot of nagging Henry to convince him to leave the chicken coop and to head back to Jacksonville. And eventually Henry, under great protest, relented and set off back to Jacksonville with Becky deciding hitchhiking, that's the way to go. But right. unfortunately, the first... We've been staying in one place for too long. <laughs> All right, and yes, technically still it fits the Drifter Code because the coop does not have walls or a driveway. And so right. it's still not technically our home. But... You know what? It's true. I need my boots need some dust. <laughs> Becky is just a modern day version of those Australian girls who went to join ISIS. You know, just if you're 14 and want adventure, just hold on. I promise you college will be fun. So the two 
So the night that they set out, nobody in Texas was in the mood to pick him up. So the two decided to sleep outside for the night. Henry started hitting the bottle that he, that he brought along with him pretty hard. He was absolutely furious because they had left the comfortable confines of a chicken coop for this. Right. Two blankets on the hard ground. He said, we were past this. We didn't need to do this anymore. We had the chicken coop. We had the house of prayer. It was fine. But Knuckles, the biggest chicken I met in that coop oh. is the best friend I have ever made in my life. Mm. And you made me choose. Give me an ultimatum between me and Cuckles. And yes, mm. maybe, just maybe, I did murder Chuckle. <laughs> I did murder Cluckles <laughs> two, three nights ago and proceeded to eat him. But still, <laughs> his spirit was there. Yep. I love Cuckles. <laughs> so he told her, he said, to hell with this. We ain't going to Florida. We're going to sleep here tonight, and the next morning we're heading back to the house of prayer because we got a good life there. And she, in a Christian rage, opened up her hand and just smacked him. And Henry, possibly thinking back to the abuse his mother had doled out to him in childhood. Or just being a raging lunatic. Or just being a raging lunatic, one of the two, lost control and stabbed Becky right in the chest. And as to what happened next, Henry said, Well, I took her panties and bra off and had sex with her. I mean, that's just one of those things, I guess, it's just got to be a part of my life, having sexual intercourse with the dead. (laughs) You know what? I I can't stop eating sugar. (laughs) You know, so everyone's got their own vices. Everyone's got a thing. I still smoke about a pack of cigarettes a week. Good. Yeah. You know, it keeps me me fun. (laughs) I dip peanut butter in sugar now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Call it my adult popsicle. <laughs> I don't think that's good, man. Yeah, no, I don't no. think that's good. Can you still feel your feet? No, no, they're turning brown. <laughs> Some say it's diabetes, but I said, come get me. So after he was done, he said that he cut her body into little pieces and stuffed the parts into three pillowcases that they had brought along with them. Who knows why? Yeah, no pillows. Just pillowcases. That's never a good sign. And he, yeah, it's against the drifter code to have anything that's not, to have remote, anything comfortable. Right. You're not allowed. Right. He took the pillowcases full of the tiny chunks of his child bride and scattered them across the barren Texas landscape. He said it was the only time he ever felt remorse. So the next morning, After killing Becky, Henry returned to the house of prayer, just teary-eyed and weeping. (laughs) Teary-eye. Telling the congregation that Becky had left with the first truck driver that stopped for him. And Moore, the uh, Reuben Moore, the guy that ran the house of prayer, said later that even though he sympathized with Henry's plight, he firmly believed that the 14-year-old was better off with some random truck driver that mm-hmm. picked him up off the side of the road than she was with Henry Lee Lucas. Let's just put it this way. Um, Becky's, you know the song, Your Future's So Bright You Gotta Wear Shades? Right. So, <laughs> Becky's life um, is the opposite of that song. Right, no shades needed. No. She needs some, like, a flashlight. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. For her future. Yeah, we're being picked up by a truck driver on... I mean, and I know, like, these yeah. roads, terrifying. What if the truck driver was Sylvester Stallone and he was taking, to her, <laughs> taking her to an arm wrestling competition to get his son back? You want to see me go over to the top? I'm about to take this big armor, man, and I'm going up over the top with it. 
That's Sylvester Stallone on Quaaludes. <laughs> so, Henry hadn't made the same impression on the House of Prayer that he had with Kate Rich. Uh, weird, though. Yeah, weird, because, as because you know, Henry said it was the happiest time in his life, but the people of the House of Prayer... Not of the same opinion, no. necessarily. Mm-mm. Again, it's like the it's like the um, the house guest. It's sort of like the movie House Guest oh, with yeah. Sinbad. Yeah, where Sinbad <laughs> got a lot more out of the out of the house than they got from him, and mm. then and then he vice versa. So does, does Henry Lee Lucas go and teach them lessons about life and love, and like take the teenage son and teach him about dating, and teach the dad about like finding joy in his middle ages? Mm, no, doesn't but, happen. No, huh? no, but huh. he does return without Becky and does continue the same lifestyle. <laughs> you know, and I mentioned Kate Rich earlier. She had heard about how Lucas had returned to the House of Prayer without Becky. Because remember, Becky had been visiting Kate Rich regularly during this entire time. Worried about her well-being, Kate arranged for Henry to take her to church about a month after Becky disappeared. Henry showed up early that day and told Kate, like, listen, I know I'm early, but I just wanted to head over the state line into Oklahoma to grab some beer before church. Oh, of course. You always drink about, what, 12, 15 beers before church? That's Absolutely. normal. What's, what's a second pack of cigarettes without a, a third or fourth thing of, of a six-pack of beer and yeah. then having to crawl into church because, you know, just so, I, you know, because it's like you got to have that smell on top of the incense right. with your body and your blood stink. Right. Um, and your and your weeping eye, mm-hmm. like man, you put a great addition to that house. You know what? Also, this also reminds me of it. Just cracks me up. It's it's like Charles in charge. Yeah, <laughs> there were several plots to movies and television shows in the eighties and nineties about a drifter that just showed up, right? It just made everybody's life better, and everyone just a thought that met him just thought that this was the beginning of one of these movies that he's just rough around the edges. So Henry, after driving back, he got the beer and started, uh, as he said, started drinking as soon as he left the store before he even got into the car. Oh, so he's the world's coolest guy. (laughs) I didn't know that until now. Yeah. So he popped open a beer and on the way back to church, Kate started to insinuate that maybe it was Henry's fault that Becky left. The guy who went over the state lines before church to get beer? Mm -hmm. He was at fault for Becky's leaving? Well, she was insinuating as such. You need to tell me that she thought that Henry Lee Lucas, who had blood stink um, and (laughs) would disappear for weeks on end and lived happily in a chicken coop, couldn't keep a marriage together? She insinuated that maybe it was Henry's fault. Mm -hmm. Henry started getting very annoyed at her accusations. And then Kate started insinuating and asking questions like, where's Becky? Like, I don't believe you. She started to say, like, I don't believe that she left with this trucker. What did you do to her? And Henry spun off the road, stopped, pulled out a knife, stabbed Kate right in the side multiple times, got out of the car, pulled the old woman out, and had sex with her corpse. We're failing to, uh, you know, you just browsed over the fact he did three donuts in a row, (laughs) perfectly parallel parked his car. It was one of the cooler stops of all time. (laughs) 
Yeah, he did. He did the the uh, the McGargle drift. Yeah. That's what we should start calling this: this Fast and Furious Nine, the McGargle drift. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Except it was he did the parallel park near uh, Lonely Oil, Derek. Oh, mm-hmm. little little Lonely Pump Jack. Oh, isn't that? Oh, just I a thought text- that was a man named Lonely Oil, Derek. <laughs> yeah. Saying, who's just a man covered in oil, being like, I could be rich if only I had a bucket. Mm-hmm. A nice oil, a nice little oil spout, or as they call him in Texas, a Texas palm tree, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so he then, after having sex with the corpse, cut the body into small chunks, as he had with Becky, drove back to the house of prayer, and burned the body in the communal kitchen until there was Oof. nothing left but small bone fragments and ashes. Henry, and what you is- cooking in there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Did you say cake? <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, did, did I? What did I? What was my fake answer? Um, you know what they also will say, too, is that in the Confessions of Henry Lee Lucas, this is a thing where of all of the lies he will tell and the, and the stories he will make up, when they go to this oven in the House of, the, in the house of Prayer, they will find Kate's glasses yeah. uh, in the ashes. That where she where he burned it. So there are these are little connections. Same thing with Becky, where they said later on they believe they found her body uh, dismembered out in the middle of the desert. It, yeah. These these are where the the weird things of like Henry Lee Lucas me is obviously absolutely not telling the whole truth, but there are moments of truth. Well, these he are the, definitely killed this woman. Yeah, there are this. These are the only crimes where there is any physical evidence mm. whatsoever. Everything else is hearsay, conjecture, and Henry's own confession, uh, which confessions ever, mean jack shit in a court of law. Did they ever find the bones of cuckles? <laughs> no, no, because he likes it. He like he liked the bone is scraping him and scrapping him, and he, he keep him in a little bag around his fucking neck because he's like cuckles and cuckles and me will never be apart. Oh. <laughs> but about Kate Rich, was she just? An unassuming old Christian woman? Mm. According to the hand of death, Kate was actually hard as nails and capable of any crime. Money was the god of her life, Mm. and she'd do anything to turn a profit. The night that Henry killed her, he watched as a young black man dressed like a New York pimp. Which is just how he thought all black men dressed. They were just, he was probably wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. And a man who appeared to be a banker. Again, a man with with anything but a drifter outfit, which is a leather vest with no shirt on and, and ripped pants. <laughs> and they met with Kate and left late. And after they left, Henry killed her, cut an upside-down cross between her sagging breasts, stuffed her in a bag, and threw her in a culvert. You don't got to mention that her boobs are sagging. This is a dead woman. Well, Max Cole mentioned that her boobs were sagging. I'm just quoting the man himself. I don't think that Max Coleman found women to be attractive. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think so either. And after this, Henry supposedly went on his final spree heading out to California. Here's how the Hand of Death describes his trip. Without Becky, he was lonely. But his stash of cocaine, LSD, and angel dust gave him some solace. Mm. He didn't need sleep. It always gives me solace. The mm. LSD would keep him going. With the hot, dry, desert air streaming through the open windows of his car, he laughed and shouted, I belong to the devil, and no one can touch me! Whoa! 
But get out! He's like Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but with no artistic talent or ability to read or write. <laughs> no friends. No friends. <laughs> no friends. But when Henry ran out of money, he found himself calling up Reuben Moore at the House of Prayer for help. But Reuben had already been contacted by a Mr. Hound Dog Conway, the sheriff of Montauk County, where Ringgold was located. I actually think it's a hound dog. <laughs> <laughs> to be, to give this. And a trench coat on. <laughs> yeah. Like McGruff. <laughs> to give hound dog credit, he actually did solid police work nice. in tracking down Henry Lee Lucas. Uh, he had dug through Henry's past because, of course, Henry was the last person to be seen with Kate Rich. Mm. Uh, so he knew that this man and he had also gone out to the House of Prayer and they said, like, well, you know, like he did have this 14 year old child bride that he left with one night and came back the next morning and she was gone. He said she he had gone with it or she had gone with a, a truck driver. So he started digging into Henry's past and he found that. Henry had an outstanding warrant in Maryland for mm. car theft. And so he instructed um, Mr. He instructed Reuben Moore, tell Henry, it's like, yeah, come on back, Henry. Like, we'll, we'll take you with open arms. And so Henry arrived back at the House of Prayer. Hound Dog was there waiting for him, promptly arrested him, and put him in jail. And that would be the last day that Henry Lee Lucas would spend as a free man. I'm going to say Bamboozled by the fucking savior. <laughs> I'm bamboozled again. God, short swoggle. I'd go up in there and I'm expecting to get some wafers and said I'm getting arrested. Yeah, I'm bamboozled. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O. This is a good day. This is a good day when Henry Lee Lucas finally is off the drifting streets. Yeah, yeah. This was a very good day for law enforcement and for America in general. Right. Yes, the greatest drifter that America had ever produced was off the streets. Now, if you'll remember, Henry Lee Lucas was a three-pack-a-day smoker and drank literally pots of mm. coffee every single day. And we mentioned this the last time. And how easy is it to break this man? <laughs> and unbelievably easy. He was there. He confessed to two, two murders. Kate Rich and Becky Powell. Was All they needed was three days of no cigarettes and coffee. They didn't even <laughs> torture him at all. Well, they turned up the air conditioning real high. That's and anything a drifter hates is being comfortable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anything a drifter hates cardigan weather. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he calls in and he calls up over the uh, the the jailer on duty and he says, "I've done a terrible thing. I need to speak with Sheriff Conway." Uh, and as we all know, the confessions did not end with just those two. When he was going to court to be arraigned, already having confessed and pleading guilty, he was asked if he understood that he was confessing to homicide and would at the very least spend the rest of his life in jail. Henry said that not only did he, did he understand, but he had even more to fess up to. And as we know, the number greatly inflated and greatly deflated over the years. On that first day, they asked him how many, and he said, might as well start with 100. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's start there, and maybe it'll go up. So he just thought of the biggest number. <laughs> Okay, how big's the Empire State Building? One hundred. <laughs> as big as that. <laughs> and so the confessions began. As oh. soon as it got out that a man in Texas had confessed to hundreds of murders, departments not only around the country but around the world started contacting the Texas Rangers who were in charge of coordinating all the investigations. Because now we're looking at what we've seen countless numbers of times before of cops going into closed cases mm. on the confessions of this guy, which is one, it's kind of, it's a dichotomy of reaction, right? Because one is that it gives people closure to unsolved murders. Yep. It helps families and stuff like that because there's a lot of people will die and there's just no – either the evidence has run out or it was just done too quickly or it was too freak of an accident. It was too freak of a disappearance and you'll never know what happened to your loved this one. Is be- yeah, this is before DNA evidence. The cops got to feel like they closed a case. The families got to feel like they had their uh, – you know, some, some sort of solace and uh, – um, what closure? Yeah, and Henry Henry Lee Lucas got rewarded with extra steak and random ham. Yeah, but the worst part was hundreds of murderers went free. R- murderers, yes. yeah, went murderers yeah. went free. Yeah, that's the problem. Like people say, you know, uh, you hear people all the time going like, "Well, if he wants to confess to the crimes, if he wants to take the rap, then yeah, just let him do it. You know, let him serve the time for it." Uh, and that's fucking stupid because yeah. every single one of these murders. Someone got away with them. It destabilizes to me the entire meaning of like law enforcement and criminal justice. Yes. Because it just shows how it's based on perception and, and, and sort of like a subjective truth. Mm-hmm. That, like it's now coming from basically Henry Lucas's truth took over reality for all these cops and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's not the same. It, it, it shows to me even more evident that there's no such thing as objective truth. Then how is it, what is innocent and guilty? What does that even mean anymore? You know what I mean? And I'm sitting here yelling at the fish. <laughs> Leave the what f- is real and what is fake? Oh, What's a hologram and what is in front of my hands? Am I real? Yeah. You're real, Henry, for now. <laughs> and so the more Henry Lee Lucas cooperated, as you said, Ben, the better he was treated. He was never without cigarettes or coffee ever again until the end of his days. His cell was completely separate from the other prisoners. He even had a little space that he called his office. He was living like El Chapo. <laughs> And this is what Henry had to say about what happened after he started confessing to the crimes. It's like being a movie star. You're just playing the part, you know. You don't think of it, you just play it. Make out that you're the worst serial killer in the history of the United States. And that's what I did. 
So some officers, as far as Henry Lucas's confessions, and when you watch these documentaries, these like biographies, any biographies about Henry Lee Lucas, you have so many officers that are trying to justify these confessions mm. so hard. They want to believe so bad that Henry Lee Lucas committed all of these crimes. So they have it just opposite of how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be skeptical, but they're just like, I want to believe. Yeah, but yeah. they they pretend, they have this illusion of skepticism where they say it's like, well, you know what? You know, he knew things. He knew certain details about the crimes that, you know, only the killers could know. Mm-hmm. But Henry Lee Lucas was such a skilled manipulator that he could ferret out details of a case from an investigator and feed it right back to him. Like, he could just get those tiny little hints, those tiny little clues. Yeah, the tiny hints were just like, so you left her in a field next to a tree, right? <laughs> and I was like, I left her in the field next to a tree. Yeah, and they would, you know, and they would also, when he would take them out on these field trips to say, like, all right, yeah, you know, uh, I went out and uh, I buried this body here. And the cops would come out and he'd say, like, yeah, okay, so, you know, it was that house right there. And the cops would be like, you sure about that? And he go, well, yeah, I could get another pack of cigarettes and no money. Well, maybe it was over there. Maybe it right. wasn't over here. Maybe it was, you know, and they'd just kind of guide him along mm-hmm. until finally he found it. And there are some uh, victims' families that are pissed off, that are actually very angry that these cops penned these crimes to Henry Lee Lucas. In particular, there's a family in Lubbock uh, where uh, where I went to college that uh, Henry Lee Lucas, they penned this crime on this, one of the most brutal murders in Lubbock history. They penned a crime on Henry Lee Lucas, pinned this murder on, and the, uh, the family, they're like, no. They, we've right. seen the evidence that Henry Lee Lucas was not even in the state at the time that this murder happened. Right. They're letting this murderer go free. And the Lubbock police, they asked the Lubbock Police Department, they're like, no. Well, they just don't want to hear it. There's a documentary yeah. that I watched on uh, ID. Ooh, Discovery. I love ID Discovery. Yeah, this- I do too, yeah. <laughs> that's my hotel room channel yeah it's great yeah really creep out the cleaning ladies so they don't steal your shit <laughs> but there was a family of, of a daughter of a girl and they went and they told the sheriff they're like we don't think he did it and they were just like he did it man please get out of here they're so mean to the families of these yeah. victims yeah absolutely and not only that not only was henry able to manipulate them but he was also heavily medicated during his Mm. entire time with the Texas Rangers. When they were bringing in all these people, they... They thought he was a psychopath. Yeah. He was a psychopath, so they had him pumped full of Thorazine. Yeah. And so he's sitting there, like, literally the most agreeable fucker on the face of the planet, and then as soon as they detox, because he he moved jails, and then it was... Or he went to the hospital where they didn't put him on Thorazine anymore, and then he immediately said, I didn't do anything. But then, at the same time, like, six months later, he creates the hand of death story which is created in those phone calls between him and Otis Tool. they talk about that all the time then he goes on to recant and come back like five or six times up until his death mm. and the last things he said when you see the confessions of Henry Lee Lucas that, that the audio we played the last time is that place it took place near the end of his life where he says I never did anything mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't kill a single person not even my mother um, then it cuts to two weeks before that where he says that he, his number, his definite number is 150. Right. Yeah. 
And I was before, wondering what he was doing in that office that you mentioned earlier in the jail, and he was really working on Do not bother me. I will be doing my work in my study. <laughs> and even before that, like when it eventually went to zero, there's this fantastic article written uh, for the Dallas Observer that was written near the end of his life where this journalist talks about how he had gotten, exclu- he had gotten access to Henry Lee Lucas uh, because he wanted to write about all of the false claims wanted to write about the families that claimed that Henry Lee Lucas didn't actually do it. And when this writer got a hold of him, he goes, all right, there were three people. All right, that's, wow, okay, so three people. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon afterwards, this writer gets contacted by this lawyer. And this lawyer says, like, hey, you need to come and visit me in my office. I got something that I need to show you. This writer shows up, this journalist shows up, and the guy says... All right, here's what I have to show you. Come on in, darling. And he said, this is Becky Powell. This, he, that's what he said. He said, this is wow. Becky Powell. This is actually, this is Henry Lee Lucas's child bride all grown up. And the woman did look like Becky Powell. Right. She did. She had a scar on the same place on her face. And she knew things about Henry Lee Lucas that not many other people knew. Uh, and so it went on for a little while. And this journalist is starting to think. And what she said, what happened that night is that Becky actually did get into the truck with the truck driver and she went off and changed her name uh, because she decided like that the whole the whole Christian story she said wasn't true that mm. she just wanted to get out of there she changed her name and she didn't even know that Henry Lee Lucas was a serial killer until she saw his face on a paperback in a bookstore years later and so and she went to go pick it up thinking that it was Henry Lucas just super tiny and sitting in the bookstore and she was like Henry where you been all this time you know the kiss the book kiss the book it's like wait a second oh this is one of them paper movies <laughs> <laughs> so days go by and this journalist is kind of starting to believe a little bit and then he suddenly gets a phone call and this is how far Henry Lee Lucas went with this shit. He gets a phone call from the supposed Becky Powell saying, "Listen, I'm not Becky Powell. I actually am in contact with Henry Lee Lucas. I read about his story. I got a hold of him. She's one of those women that becomes obsessed with a serial killer and gets a hold of them in prison. And Henry Lee Lucas convinced her to pose as Becky Powell for his own amusement. Where did you learn this again, Marcus? It's a, it's a, a great uh, Dallas Observer article. This highly interesting. It is. This is amazing. It's just like, why go so far with the lie? Yeah. Why do that after you already have confessed to so many other things and have recanted back and forth? It's the sign of a true psychopath, right? Yeah. He gets yeah. off just on the story. Yeah, and they actually, in this same article, uh, the writer asked a Texas Ranger, it's like, why is he doing this? And the Texas Ranger said, hey, that's just the way Lucas is. The guy's like a circus that won't leave town. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> so I guess that'll that's sort of the devil's workshop. Huh? Yeah. Henry Lee Lucas would have been great on The Moth. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd love to hear his storytelling yeah. abilities. Yeah. And polygraph tests on him were completely useless because right. they could never tell which of his statements were true and which of them were false. That's the thing. If you just start lying on a polygraph test, you can, ma- you can, really, you can manipulate those very easily. Yeah, that's why they're inadmissible in court. Every yeah. single question, like they tried multiple times, they tried 
every operator they could to try to trip him up. Never. Not one of them could get it past him. And so this is, he was sentenced to death. Um, He was responsible for closing hundreds of cases across America. And then when he was basically, he was finally going to go and could be committed to to death. He was, was it the chair or was it the, the, was it uh, the shot? In 2005, it would have been the shot. Texas had long since transitioned from the chair. I think they were going to dress him in a gorilla suit and put him in a Chuck E. Cheese and make him drum himself to death. (laughs) (laughs) I love an ornate death. Um, But he was inexplicably the only prisoner to have his death sentence commuted by George W. Bush during his time as Texas. Texas governor, yeah, and- which is interesting because why? 9-11. Think about it. <laughs> and let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put forth two executions that happened during George W. Bush's mm-hmm. uh, two terms as Texas governor, or one and a half before he turned it over to Rick Perry. Uh, he executed one. Carla Faye Tucker, right. which we uh, mentioned in our axe murders episode, which he should have been totally down with, uh, con- with commuting her sentence. She had, of course, changed to an evangelical mm-hmm. belief. She had a big movement behind her mm-hmm. to get commuter sentence. And two, if we will all remember correctly, he murdered a retarded man. That's right. Remember, a black fellow wasn't it? A black guy yeah. that killed a woman with a pair of scissors. He had an IQ, I think, of sixty. 55, something like that. Well, there's just something about, uh, you know, this man that I see myself in. (laughs) I see myself in Henry Lee Lucas. Or was it the long, nefarious arm that was attached to the hand of death (laughs) that went all the way up to the top of the government and manipulated it so that Henry Lee Lucas would die the only way a true Satanist dies, which is dead in prison from a heart attack at the age of 64. Right. And, you know, the saddest thing about him, he died the exact same way that um, the toy box killer died. Yeah. You know, natural causes should... I mean, I'm not for the state putting anybody to death. I mean, Richard Ramirez also died of natural causes. And we got a bit of an... So, yeah, Henry Lee Lucas died March 12th, 2001 of heart failure uh, at the age of 64. And I'm sure all of you out there are asking, what about Otis? What happened to him? What happened... To Otis Tool. While Otis would eventually have his own coded to the Henry Lee Lucas story, he would confess to one of the most famous child murders in American history with the death of Adam Walsh, son of John Walsh, who would go on afterward to host one of the most famous crime shows in America. America's Most Wanted. But what Otis said is that he said that he kidnapped Adam near the front exterior of the Sears department Mm. store where uh, Adam went missing from uh, after he was asked to leave by a store clerk. Yeah, they didn't want him there, huh? They didn't didn't want Otis. Not good for business. (laughs) He lured Adam into his Cadillac with a promise of toys and candy and then proceeded to drive north towards Jacksonville and Adam started to panic. Tool punched him in the face and it made the situation worse. He just started crying more and so he walloped him unconscious, as he said, choked him to death, drove to a deserted service road and decapitated him with a machete. Uh, That's his first confession, but he would recant later on. And he was never convicted for this specific crime because the evidence was lost. The cops managed to lose the bloodstained carpet from Tool's Cadillac, the machete, 
supposedly used to decapitate Adam and eventually the entire car itself. The cops lost a car. Well, there's a sheriff's son with a brand new car. <laughs> brand new Cadillac. But also, apparently, the truth is is that also Otis had a, a massive uh, alibi. Because according to him, he was in and out of town. Because the one thing we learned about Otis Tool is that he bought a lot of airplane tickets, apparently. And so an, a, airplane tickets had him out of Jacksonville during this crime spree. There was, that, there was a hazy time. Yeah. Right, where it's like he—that was his—that was his stomping ground, that whole area, and he was there a lot, maybe doing some murders, or we're not really sure. But apparently, during this window, he do—he wasn't there. He was doing something. He was doing his stool breaking job out in the <laughs> right. middle of Kansas, and uh, there's just no way to really pin the crime on him and it's it's really very fucking sad because it, i mean it destroyed john walsh's life I'm, technically it gave him a career which is that fucked up thing of like it's the what's eric, good or uh, what's bad I mean, the eric clapton effect <laughs> tears in heaven yeah. yeah and if you i mean if, if you watch these the the press conference that john walsh and his wife gave after adam walsh because adam walsh was missing for like a week it is heartbreaking it's awful. It, it is absolutely awful and yeah. john walsh was actually the main suspect for yeah, a good yeah few days after after worst. that but you can watch you know John Walsh even he doesn't believe that Otis told he's like no. he it it feels like that he feels that publicly he has to accept it that he has to say like okay yes fine this fucking piece of shit killed my son but you can tell he doesn't believe it right and that's cops for you they, they look at the dad they're like no oh, the dad didn't do it all right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go to In and Out Burger. Well, you know, I you know I think I did it is at Carmen San Diego. I you never know he's doing something crazy. We can't yeah. find her because I can't get the answers right to the mystery questions. What is the capital of the Ukraine? Like, <laughs> who cares? Who even gives a shit? Right. And here's another interesting fact: Otis Tool, although he was in Florida, also had his death sentence commuted to life in prison. All right. Yeah, he had and, he had yeah. six. He was convicted of six counts of murder. His death sentence was commuted, and he died of liver failure on audit, on September fifteenth, nineteen ninety six. And here, one uh, interesting thing about the murder of Adam of Adam Walsh, Jeffrey Dahmer was also oh, yeah. briefly considered a suspect, but he denied involvement, saying, "I told you everything. I, like everything, how, how I killed them, how, how I cooked them, who I ate." Why wouldn't I tell you if I did something else? I mean, <laughs> I love it. This is like Dahmer's, like, you know, 70 year old actor, like the Broadway actor. He's like, What else do you want from me? I've given you my soul on stage. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And they, and what's funny is that Oz died in 1996, but the, the cops waited until 2008. To announce that the case was officially closed. Right. Despite no new evidence coming up, despite them losing the old evidence, it's like they finally got around to it in 2008. They're like, oh, yeah, the drifter definitely did it. It's awful. It's so difficult Jeez. to find justice. And uh, if, you, if you look to law enforcement for it, you're going to be off and, uh, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it does work. Sometimes the system does work. As far as like these serial killers go, I think that Henry Lee Lucas is somewhat rare. Uh, and in the future, we are going to be uh, definitely doing a uh, an episode on some of the actual like super cops out there that do help uh, catch serial killers before they get up to Bundy numbers or to right. Gacy numbers. Especially, you know, the the Manhunter guys and John Douglas, those sorts of guys that are actually super cops and guys like Hound Dog Conway who caught Henry Lee Lucas pretty soon afterwards. But sometimes you do get, and it does, you definitely do have to draw attention to this, that sometimes cops close cases just to turn that red mark black. So when also they know this is because, think about this, right? They have a responsibility to these families. Yeah. When you're up to a certain point and you cannot solve these crimes, the, mo- the what you're looking for is an out, which I understand because at this point, it's not about justice anymore. It's about providing closure. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the Henry Lee Lucas case, this is this is one of those where the, the police goof-ups are, are one thing. It just It is next to impossible to string together enough evidence to convict a guy like this. Someone who literally says, I killed bodies on the highway and just dropped them off in the middle of the fucking desert. You don't know what's real or what's not unless you really have the, unless you do the actual footwork, which will take years to go and track these skeletons down and tie them to people, especially they didn't have the technology. So I don't really blame the cops in, in this specific instance because you know, drifter murders are just, you know, they're, they're the most chaotic. They're yeah. the butterflies of the murder world. Yeah, and- serial killers are the, and the serial killers are the hardest ones to solve. And highway murders, you know, the highways are the killing fields of America. But more unsolved murders happen along the highways than anywhere else in America. Like, they are extremely dangerous, and they are just littered with bodies. And yes, I mean, the, the cops, you know, a lot of times, but it's like the Lubbock cops. I understand some highway patrolman that's trying to clear some murder that she was, that was found on mile marker 234 on I-30 or I-20. Like, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But the Lubbock cops, that shit is unforgivable. They just wanted to close a case. They knew that the evidence didn't add up. It is so obvious. And they still say, like, nope, he did it. And those guys, mm-hmm. those are the assholes. I always just say, blame it on the rain. Don't even know what it means, <laughs> but I just say, blame it on the rain. Blame. And in our Super Cop episode, we will be discussing Henry Zabrowski's New York City police officer father, <laughs> Mr. He Zabrowski. You want a Super Cop? That's the guy you're looking for. That's right. <laughs> I tell New you, York what, my, dad did call, my dad did catch a murderer, a guy that was wanted for murder in three states. It was an accident. But he did have to run and grab it. And so how is your father's build compared to yours? We are exactly the same. That's good. Well, the streets of New York were safe for a couple of years when Pa Zabrowski was walking the beats. I would say they were a little bit more funny. Yeah, they were definitely. Um, All right. Well, that's the four-parter on Henry Lee Lucas and Odyssey. Oh, what an odyssey it was. I'm so glad. Crazy. Oh, my God. Thank you guys so much for taking this journey with us. Wow. And this was definitely a journey. Yeah, go follow Disgusting. us on Twitter at LP on the left. Uh, Ben's at, at Ben Kissel. Henry's at, at Henry Loves You. I'm at at Marcus Parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, go check out all of our other shows at cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left. Go rate and review 
on iTunes. Yep. Go join the Facebook group. Uh, you guys are fucking amazing. And yep. if you want a last podcast on the left T-shirt that's got our badass logo on it, go again to cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left yeah. and uh, get your T-shirt. And really, you never have to get off a of CCR. We've got politics with Top Hat, goofy stories with Roundtable, uh, celebrity Page 7 mm-hmm. news. Yes, and Page mental- 7 is wonderful. That last episode of Page 7 is one of the funniest ones you've got done. <laughs> Thank that you very so much. Fun. And uh, me and uh, Jackie, Henry's uh, sister, also do a mental health and sex advice podcast. So we tune into that one. Do not listen to the sex and health podcast <laughs> before or after this. You don't want to tie those things together. Nope. At all. No, you don't. Um, and again, I want to keep, I'm going to keep plugging this just because it means a fucking lot to me for people to watch it. Your pretty face is going to hell. Sundays at 1215. Uh, it's just, we, on Adult Swim, we're doing our best to serve Satan well. And uh, we need your organ energy. So please, if you will, if you will watch it and masturbate, that would be really great. That's yes. great. And, and actually, tonight at three o'clock in the morning, I will be on Fox News's Red Eye. Ooh, yeah. wonderful! Oh. That will be or, on or the two tonight, o'clock, yeah. uh, July twenty ninth. July twenty ninth. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. And uh, also go and buy uh, the Cowman album. It's available on iTunes now. Uh, and in honor of Henry Lee Lucas. At the end of this episode, we're going to play a song called Maggie about a lot lizard who oh. ends up dead. Oh, very nice. Hail yourselves, everyone. And Hail hi- Satan. And Hail Gein. And we'll go to the That's right. Goodbye. Peace in the Middle East, everybody. <laughs> Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. 
plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.